Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us again today. This is Diego Ochoa, and I am superintendent of the San Mateo Foster City School District, and I'm here with you with the One SMFC podcast. This is a podcast where we bring together people in our community, employees, teachers, administrators, parents, community members, and even students. Actually, we had our first podcast with students just a couple of weeks ago. But today, I'm very excited to have a special guest with us today. He's a doctor in this community, Dr. Tershani. How are you, Doc? I'm great, and thank you guys for having me here today. Yeah, you told just before this podcast started a, a short explanation. You have a nickname in the community, so some of your <laughs> patients who are out there listening will yeah. know you as... Dr. Yo-Yo. Dr. Yo-Yo is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. We're also joined by Principal of Foster City Elementary School. Hi, how are you doing, Amanda? I'm doing well. How are you? Very nice to see you again. Nice to see you. So I want to talk for just a second, talk a little bit about how we got this podcast together. So you reached out to me just a couple of weeks ago, and take it from there. So it was the beginning of the school year, and we had a Virus Geeks event on campus where students and families were coming to get tested for COVID-19. And I ran into your wife there, and she said, you know, my husband is a doctor in the county, and, you know, um, if you need anything, please let me know. And then a few weeks ago, you reached out to me and offered your expertise to our school district, and I made the connection with you. Yeah, and then so I pick up the email. We start corresponding back and forth, and it's pretty evident we need to hold this podcast so we can talk to families about there about the big news that actually just happened today. The CDC just minutes before this podcast started approved breaking news. Breaking news, yeah. And so I think what I read online was vaccination doses are on trucks right now, going all over the country. So it's kind of amazing that this podcast is being recorded today. I want to give a number to you. It's 610,000. Tell the families out there what that number is. Tell them why it's important. So we're very fortunate. I think we're very blessed and privileged to be in this county. And uh, that's the number of people who've been vaccinated in our county. And that puts us, as a county of those who are eligible, at 91%. And just to say that again, 91% of those who are eligible have been fully vaccinated in our county. And so that puts us among the top counties in, in the country. And then because we are a privileged country with that early access in, in the world. And so um, we're getting really close to that level of herd immunity. We've seen local transmission drop a lot, and that means saved lives. When you get down to it, people in our community are staying alive because of those of us who've been protected, gotten protected not only for ourselves, but for our families and for our community. And um, the other number I want to uh, put there is um, the adolescents. So 12 to um, 16 is the way we categorize the numbers at the county. 72% of those have been fully vaccinated. And those are the ones who only were able to get eligible, as we remember, four months later from everybody else. Um, and that's a tremendous number. That puts us, if that alone was our number, we'd be already on like the 80th percentile as a county for the country. Um, and so we're, we're going to push that up, uh, continue to get that to the 90s. And as soon as the kids get ready, Let's get ready to, to get them vaccinated as soon as we can to help them stay safe and their community. And we're not far away from that. You know, we're just a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about that during this podcast. We're actually going to host a vaccination event on November 15th at Bayside Academy Exciting. at the Dr. Joan Rosas Gymnasium from nice. 3 to 8 p.m. Nice. Um, one of the things that when you look at data like that, 91% of eligible adults, 72% of eligible 12 to 16-year-olds, what you're doing there is you're actually, all the systems are working. 
the hospitals are talking to the cities, the cities are talking to the social service agencies, the nonprofits are working with the churches. You know, it's sort of like an example of where every single component in the community is talking to each other. That's right. And that's, I think, we, we're lucky, we're blessed to have agencies that are working with each other right now mm-hmm. in that area because if hospitals tried to do this by themselves, mm-hmm. t- talk a little bit about the, the importance of that partnership. Absolutely. So we realize that every individual person, every individual family has a different trusted resource for them. Sometimes it's their church, sometimes it's their school, sometimes it's their primary care doctor they've known for 20 years, sometimes it's their pharmacist. Um, It was actually a pharmacist week two weeks ago, and so at our um, daily stand-up meeting with all the management of the hospital, our pharmacist was giving fun facts each day, and one of them was uh, pharmacists are the most um, accessible healthcare um, person in the country because you can literally just walk into any pharmacy and um, 95% of the country is within um, five miles of a pharmacist. And so you can go right in and, and get the access. And now that with the COVID pandemic has opened the, the, the doors where pharmacists can give the vaccine themselves and we can get them in pharmacies, um, any one of those entities on their own couldn't have done this. Um, no single system, but this is really the benefit of coming together. What this podcast today is symbolizing, bringing community and other professionals and experience um, to be able to benefit our community in whatever way they need to reach us. Well, I also think it's about anticipating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So San Mateo County hasn't said, let's figure out how everyone else is going to do this. Exactly. The county has basically said, we need to take leadership. We need to step in. You know, when you reached out, when Principal Gall reached out, mm-hmm. I said, yeah, let's do it. I mean, we anticipated that there would be some approvals down the line, but we didn't know. We certainly didn't know what was going to happen an hour before we sat down in front of these microphones. Yeah. Um, talk about your your conversations with other pediatricians, your work with other doctors. What do they feel about, you know, the strategies we already have in place? Because we're, we're a K-8 district. So basically, you know, 95% of our kids are not currently eligible for a vaccine. Exactly. So in our district, we use the hand washing, the temp mm-hmm. checks. We, we're talking... Uh, you know, regular testing. We do pool testing in the district. We do evening testing. So what what does the medical community in this county think about those kind of mitigation strategies? Yeah, I think it's important for us to sometimes take a moment. It feels like it was years ago, but rewind ourselves to March 2020 and all that uncertainty and all that fear that we all had. And we all knew then within a few weeks that we would have to be changing rapidly throughout this entire piece. And we've been fortunate living in a county living in a region where science is believed and we look at the science we understand what's there and we had to adjust and that's part of the humility too at the beginning remember it was a lot more leave your packages outside for a day or two and scrub everything down and we've learned more as data has come out that that really is not uh, a main source of transmission it is respiratory for those who um, aren't vaccinated and adjusting those those numbers uh, six feet initially, but we understood for kids you can actually get down to three feet and still be fairly safe. Um, and keeping up those mitigation uh, factors are important. And though you didn't ask directly on this question, the way pediatricians have been stating this, and it's in that, that article I shared, and then if people are interested, we can add the link to the interview with Dr. Beer is the president of the AAP. COVID, though it has not killed nearly as many kids as there is adults, it, it, it was the eighth leading cause of death this year for children, the eighth leading cause of death. 
And in some regions right now, it's moved up to as high as fifth or sixth um, in some of the parts of our country where there's lower vaccination rates. So this is not a benign disease. This is not something that doesn't cause death. And even one death is worth protecting, um, putting in the investment and energy because there's all the other potentially long COVID or other morbidity that occurs for the other kids who don't die from it. Um, so this is a disease that does affect children. It is true that we've been very fortunate that with this pandemic, unlike other, um, if there was a flu pandemic to occur for us, children are not nearly as severely affected as the elderly are, but they can still get quite ill. And with how widespread the disease is, we're still in an uh, emergency state that we need to do everything we can to take this disease out and um, have us all get back to our lives and realize the, though this isn't for this uh, podcast today, the mental health toll that we've all been taking and our kids are taking the brunt of um, will we'll continue, but we won't really be able to get our arms around that and, and really help them until we get this pandemic taken care of. I think a lot of parents, and I'm a parent um, as well, what we want to know is, is this avoidable? Is this preventable? What's what's the you know the medical side of that? Because we have so many kids in school. Are these, are these mitigation strategies and is now with vaccination on the table, is this disease preventable? Yeah. So it's a a great question, and it is. And I think our whole role as pediatric professionals, right, so not just pediatricians, pediatric nurse practitioners, nurses, et cetera, we got into this field and we're excited about this field because we, we believe in prevention. We believe in putting in science and being able to understand, working with our community to keep kids healthy and to live their fullest lives in every way. And if we know something is reasonable, we obviously, if we were told we have to put kids in bubbles and they have to be in a bubble their entire lives all the time, that wouldn't work. Um, But it's very practical to wear a mask. And kids pick up cues of what is happening around them. And it's like another accessory, like an earring or a hat. Um, Once the kids get used to it, right, once we we see them wanting to to bling their mask or to put on something, um, washing their hands, putting on the mask, understanding distancing, um, kids, kids can, can be informed, and, and we have to adjust, right? Those, those first few days of school, everyone's waiting those long lines. Everyone is a little stressed and nervous about it. We have to get through that. We have to be able to continue to communicate and to inform. And um, Principal Gall, you can share the great statistics because of that data. Um, in the first few weeks, we had a few more, but then we've had some great successes since. We have. We have. Yeah, because Principal Gall, your school right that second and third week of school you started to have cases Mm -hmm. talk about what the last month has been like at your school yeah I mean I we started school and within the first four days we unfortunately had cases of COVID Um, but I do want to say that we came together very quickly as a community to put additional medication factors into place so um, we and we have a large school so I think that's important to know that we have close to eight over 800 people that are um you know, on campus every single day. And so we put a lot of mitigation factors into place. Um, We made sure that our um, students were, they did a great job with masks and they still do. I don't know if they like them so much, but they understand the purpose of them and they're doing a great job wearing them. Um, Everyone continues to get tested in our community, which is very, very important to to mitigate the spread. And I just want to say again, thank you to our community for coming together to make sure that now at this point, I think it's about six weeks or so. um, And so far we've had zero cases of COVID in the last six weeks. and I think what's, you know, you and I talked about this back in August, but, you know, we had a conversation at the end of that first week because it was a stressful time. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I reminded you, I said, one out of every 12 kids in this district goes to Foster City Elementary School. That's how big Foster City Elementary School is. So, you know, there was just a lot of 
moving parts. And if you've ever seen that school at 310, when all the vans and buses show up for the after-school programs and the language programs and the tutoring programs and the daycare programs and just the parents. I mean, there are 400 extra people there Mm -hmm. at the end of a school day. So we knew we were, it was the best test case we could have had. It was a, a big school that was really complicated. And like you said, measures needed to be put into effect. But the transition for people the willingness for people to step in and try something different and add a mitigation strategy was crucial. Mm-hmm. Doctor, you know, one of the, the questions a lot of parents who are out there, there's some people sitting on the fence. Mm-hmm. They don't know whether or not they're going to have their child vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I think a big question for them is, are these vaccines safe? Mm-hmm. So I, I, my entire <laughs> career is about having parents um, understand that that biological protectiveness that they have is normal and it's supposed to be there you something that's uncertain something that's unknown that you've never experienced your instinct is protect my child until i know more about it and then i'll go there you know it's it's that that mama bear putting herself in between the cub and anything else around them and i want to rewind us back to december if we can recall what the hesitancy rate was across our entire country it was at about 60 to 70% of people had either concerns or said, absolutely, I will not get the vaccine. Those numbers with more data, more people getting it, slowly dropped. And it got down to the place now where, again, 91% of our community has been vaccinated. Um, And I think the same is gonna happen for the kids as well, as they see others hear about, as they hear that the CDC approved it today, and that was one of the final hurdles. And the only hurdle really remaining, and that should happen fairly quickly, is the state itself. The California Department of Public Health adopts the CDC's recommendations and puts it into practice here, because each state has to actually approve it. It's part of the, the chain of events, the FDA, the CDC, and then the state. Um, once people see that, okay, these folks have approved it, we've now had over 300 million doses, I think, across the country that have been given. Um, to people and that we continue to collect the data um, very transparently that there are negligible amounts of long-term side effects that occur due to the vaccine, but way more lives that are saved. And um, the data showed very similar results for kids. Um, It is very safe. Um, It is far more dangerous for a child to be ill with the disease and it's far more dangerous for our community to continue to have um, the, the, the virus uh, circulating. And a related uh, factor is uh, mandatory vaccines. Why do we have them, right? Why do we get our MMR, even though most people here will never see measles and never see mumps, never see rubella? It's not because it's around us. It's because we don't ever want those diseases around those kids. We want to knock those out and continue to keep us at herd immunity. Um, and the other piece that shows the confidence that, the, that, our, that our leaders at the state level know about this vaccine is uh, Gavin Newsom already released information in the past month that once the emergency use authorization is revoked, that it's actually fully approved for the 5 to 11-year-olds, it will become part of the um, annual uh, required vaccinations. So it's something, when it reaches that level, that's not something we take uh, frivolously to make those decisions at the state level. Um, it's because the science has shown that this is something that will protect kids and has very few side effects. You know, and it really falls in line with the strategies that we have in the district where all of our employees are either vaccinated or consent to weekly testing. Mm -hmm. As a district, we test over 7,500 people every week in pool testing. 
as a district, we've had in September and October six to seven events a week, every week at our schools with virus geeks coming in to do COVID testing, the many, many mitigation strategies. And what we're seeing is success. We saw over the course of this entire first semester of school, cases continue to drop, drop. We did have a week off. As you know, we had a lot of travel. So coming back from that week, we saw an increase in cases that it, we, we expected it. Um, the second week, those cases came back down. This week, I can share, zero cases have been reported to us in the school district, which is amazing. So we're excited about that. We, we love seeing that data come in. The Association of California School Administrators is strongly supporting vaccines for children. Great. As superintendent, I strongly support it. This is a community issue. Mm -hmm. Education is one part of this community. The medical community is another part of it. Right. The social service community, our city governments, mm -hmm. and then all of our residents, all of our parents, we all play a role in this. And I just want to thank you for being with us in this podcast. I'm going to give you an opportunity to send one final message to these parents, one one takeaway that you want them to know. As, you, as, as I said earlier in this podcast, November 15th, Dr. Joan Rosa's gymnasium at Bayside Academy, November 15th, 3 to 8 p.m. No insurance required. You got to go online and register. We have school offices that are going to help families do that. You show up for your appointment. You get the vaccine for your 5 to 11-year-old. So I'm going to turn it back over to you, doctor. One takeaway for these families from this podcast. Going back to what we said at the top of, uh, top of the hour, it takes all the different entities coming together to make this happen. And if we go back to the courage it took that our health officers in this region were the first ones in the country who came together, right, across seven counties to make that decision. And I got to have a call with Scott Morrow, our, our health officer for the county just last week, not only talking about that moment, but where we're at now. And one of the learnings that we have is coming together across agencies, across entities, is the only way that we can take on big issues and big problems. And whether it's going to be, you know, again, maybe for a future podcast, whether we, how we think about climate change and how we're going to uh, think about racial inequality and, and structural racism, how we take on any of these major dilemmas that cross our entire community is going to be everyone coming together. Um, we've seen the science now. It was approved. This is a safe vaccine. I strongly recommend it as a pediatrician. My now six-year-old, Amelie, who's in kindergarten at Boston City Elementary, will get it as soon as I can. Um, potentially, maybe I'll come over there on November 15th if we don't get it in uh, for her earlier. Um, and so not only for my own family, but my, for my community. And this is the way that we go into this winter, which potentially we will see arise again. And I think we have to anticipate if we don't get everyone vaccinated as quick as we can. We may see some more transmission. Um, the winter is always a time when uh, viruses are circulating anyway. Um, and when people are um, in closed spaces more and um, the, the weather changes. Um, so in anticipation of that, let's get people vaccinated as quick as we can and let's uh, try to put an end to this pandemic. We're going to leave it right there, folks. Awesome way to end this podcast, Doc. Thank you for being with us, Principal Gall. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for joining us on the One SMFC podcast.